Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we rely on you this morning to speak to our souls about uh, the kind of peace and joy and character you are developing in us, the decisions that we need your wisdom in navigating, and we, we just make ourselves completely vulnerable to your power in our lives and your direction. And uh, we thank you for today, and we completely yield to you as we hear from your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Hey, as you're seated, say, I'm so glad I get to sit next to you. It's a gift. It's a gift. I'm honored that I get to sit next to you. Just honored. Well, we are continuing our series uh, called This Is Us. And uh, we have been in this uh, series for several weeks. We're trying to learn in Genesis how we can bring the very best out of our families. And if you're visiting, I'm Scott. I'm the pastor at Adventure. And I've been joined today by a new pastor at Adventure. I'm really excited. He joined our staff today. Zach Fox, would you stand? Yeah. Just thrilled. You'll you'll get to meet Zach more, but just couldn't be thankful enough. So we are, it's it's a big deal for us that Zach's here. There's a lot of big deals happening in our lives, aren't there? Middle school students are being promoted. That's a big deal. Uh, high school students are being promoted. That's a big deal. They're graduating. How many of you are like, you got a family member that graduated? You're like, this is awesome. He or she made it. It's a big deal. Hey, we know some folks, they've got big deals going on, their, on, on in their life because they're off for summer break. Do we have some adults in here that are going to get a break this summer? There's a few. That's a big deal, isn't it? And we, I was imagining there are some families that they're going to have this summer with their kids, and some of their kids are going to go to school for the first time next fall. That can be really hard, and it can be super exciting, too. Uh, big deals happening. And, but it's not just all positive, you know, comfort big deals in our lives. There's folks in our congregation that are uh, facing a move. They're going to move across the country here in a month or two. That's a big deal. Some folks are, um, are facing job transitions. Some folks are facing really tough marital challenges right now, looking at separation, considering divorce. They're really tough. And so we're going to look at a family that experiences life like us. We've called the series This Is Us because in Genesis, surprise, it's a book about families. And we're going to look today at the life of Abraham. He's considered the father of the Christian faith, the father of all faith. In fact, for a lot of us, uh, globally, he's the father of three of the four major world religions. Do you know that? And uh, we would call him, as Christians, the first covenant uh, patriarch. He models what Jesus will introduce in the New Testament 3,000 years later. So we're going to screen back to Genesis 12 through 15. If you have your Bibles, open them. I'm going to use and depend on the screen a lot this morning uh, because of the content that I have. Uh, but the, this, this Abraham, he is, there's something really magical about his life. Uh, first, we know from Abraham that he uh, theologically... He was uh, moved and 
and inspired by the promise of Yahweh, God Yahweh. Uh, also, different from Abraham, Moses was inspired by the law. <laughs> Abraham got a promise, Moses got the law. Abraham was given lots of grace, lots of grace. You'll see it today. He made a lot of mistakes. Uh, hopefully, we can laugh about them. And Moses introduced works, the works of the law. If a man doesn't keep all the works of the law, he's to be uh, hung on a tree. <laughs> Bottom line, we were all hung and dependent upon Jesus to come someday and pay the price for our un- inability to follow the law. So theologically, Abraham was the guy that followed God's promise from the very beginning. He, he was unlike Moses who introduced the law on Sinai and also in the latter books of Exodus, Deuteronomy, and Leviticus. Abraham was the guy that was given tons of grace by the Spirit, and Moses was the one that introduced the works of the law, some over 600 different works. Now, from a practical standpoint, and this will serve as kind of our outline today, from a practical standpoint, the, the, the narrative of Abraham is a guide to life, it's a guide to marriage, and it's a guide to conflict management. Wait till you see some of the nuggets that are in here. So as we begin, the question I want to ask this morning is, like Abraham, how do we carry about, how do we carry the favor of God in our lives? I mean, the same kind of favor, Abrahamic favor in our lives, where where, where you go, favor goes. Favor's not dependent upon a job or a location. Favor goes with you. A lot of us think that favor is dependent upon, you know, my job or uh, my relationships. No, no, no. With Abraham, the favor went with him. He was the favored one. And let me tell you that in Christ Jesus, if you're a Christian, you are favored. You have blessing. It goes with you. Crazy. Show you what I mean here shortly. How do we carry the favor of God in our life? Well, the first is to join God's adventure. Join God's adventure. This willingness to go. Let's read the narrative in Genesis chapter 12. If you have your smartphone, open it up uh, to the NIV. That's what I'll be reading from if you have it. And uh, let's just begin reading in chapter 12. Uh, the Lord says to Abraham, leave. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And uh, right here, he makes a promise to Abraham. He's going to guide your family. He's going to guide your family. Uh, he's going to guide Abraham. And Abraham's not given any GPS, no coordinates. Just go this direction. How many of you feel like sometimes God's leading you that way? It's like, I kind of know what I'm supposed to do, but there's no details. Anybody? That's how God leads, and he expects us to simply take steps of faith, the direction that resonates with his character and his spirit. Okay? So secondly, so the Lord says to Abraham, go, and he promises to guide his family, your people and your father, go to the land that I will show you. The next piece is, I will make unto you a great nation, and I will bless you. There's a promise here to Abraham. He will expand and bless your family. Now, I want to tell you, I believe these promises to Abraham have application in our own lives. He will expand our own families. I've experienced this personally. Uh, Very recently, I got introduced in my family. I was told from a kid when I was a little seven-year-old, 
uh, that we had family that was in the wine business that had a vineyard. And so I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Well, now, 50 years later, a little less, uh, I, Melissa and I are in the Alexander Valley area, and we thought, let's look up this vineyard in our family. So we looked it up, and we couldn't get access to it. It was gated up. And so I reached out to my stepdad and said, hey, I, we think we found the family vineyard. Is this for real? And so he connected us with family, and we got to go to this this family vineyard in Alexander Valley, overlooking the whole valley. And it was a small vineyard, 250 acres. And uh, I got to be there, and what happened was kind of surreal. These are all uh, family by marriage alone for me. They're not blood for me. But what happened there was special. It was like blessing. It was like God was expanding my own family. So I get there, and I, I actually, we've, uh, he's the guy, Kevin Ramos. We start chatting. And uh, we've, uh, he's the uncle of, the, of one of the, of the relatives that's there. And uh, he asked me, hey, where's your church? I said, oh, it's 1500 North Market. And he goes, really? <laughs> you know, I built that building. I was like, what? <laughs> really? Come on, man. Uh, he hadn't had any wine at that point. And uh, I said, really? I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I, I work for Buzz Oats. And I thought, that's crazy. He said, do you know John White? I said, yeah, he's the owner of our building. Like, wow. And I'm thinking in my heart, he's the owner of our building is someone I pray for regularly. He's had some real significant health issues this year, life-threatening. And so we just have this moment, and then I come to discover that Kevin has had the same life-threatening issues that the owner of this building had, and they didn't even know it, both of them. Kevin lost I can tell you this, has double amputation because of his life-threatening disease this year. We had this moment together, and it's like, I knew that I had family up here when I was seven years old. That's 42 years ago. But it's almost like you go where God leads you, and family becomes more real. You meet people you never imagined. Is this connecting with you at all? The idea is that when you're following the Lord, The Spirit's on you, and you will connect with new friends and family, whether they're biological or just in Christ's family, that you never plan to connect with. And let me tell you, we're all busy people. We need family. We need friends. Uh, We, and we'll talk more about that. Anyways, great example of God expanding my family. Uh, Very special. Abraham says to Uh, God says to Abraham, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. He will promote your family. He's going to promote your family. Uh, And you will be a blessing. He's going to bless through your family. Now, I was excited about the journey that our Zach Fox has made. He has followed God to go on this journey as well. He was uh, raised in the Temecula area down in Southern California. Then he went to school in Fullerton at Hope International, which is associated with William Jessup. Then he moved to Loma Linda, where he did his first um, youth ministry. And now he's come up north to Northern California, Sacramento area, to do ministry with us. And uh, he's engaged. He's doing premarital counseling with his bride, Angelina, and she's moving up here in September. It's a great story. The fun thing is that I asked him the other day about Northern California. This is his second visit to Northern California. I was like, cool. And Angelina's never been, right? Isn't that cool? I can, 
So here's my point. When God's leading you, sometimes it's a place you've never been. That's a good indication. The same thing was true of Abraham. Let's look at Abraham's mappage here. You can see he leaves uh, Ur in the Babylonia area around the Euphrates and Tigris River, and he travels uh, 955 miles to get to where God was leading him. The Lord just said go, and he followed. And that's kind of the, the thing we got to remember about following Jesus. Again, Abraham is the model for following Jesus. It's a willingness to go where he's leading. And it doesn't, some of you might be stuck here like, I don't like this message. Scott's going to ask us to go to India today. Uh, I'm going to be asked to go to Africa. I've been putting that off. Uh, I'm going to be asked to go to the Bahamas. Actually, no, I'm interested in that. Uh, but, but the deal is, is that really the place for you to go might be across the street. It's to open your home to your neighbors. It's, it's taking someone out to lunch. It's being a blessing right where you're at. I want to unpack that a little bit. I have shared with uh, our staff and our leadership at Adventure an acronym that I think really helps us accessorize our mission. Our mission at Adventure, it's up above the, the fountain. We're bringing Jesus hope to an imperfect world. We believe that Adventure is a place where no perfect people are allowed, and we want to bring hope to no perfect people. It's no fun bringing hope to perfect people. And so... Uh, what I want to share with you is a tool that can be a part of your everyday life. You know, before I share the tool, I need to tell you, I was praying for the owner of our building the day I met Kevin Ramos, who knew our building and had a shared chronic disease with our owner, and they didn't even know it. And I connected with him on this piece of land, this piece of dirt, because I think God was trying to bring everyone hope. So how do you do this daily? So here it is. It's the word. It comes from the Abrahamic journey. It's the acronym BLESS. I'm just going to walk you through it. It's going to be an intro to it. But it's something that can help you be on mission every day where you're at. You can have this kind of surreal Abrahamic life by practicing this acronym BLESS. Here it is. Begin each day with prayer. That's how you, that's how you stay on mission. You begin every day with prayer. We talk about it here at Adventure, giving Jesus the first 15 minutes of every day. We talk about listening to five minutes of worship, and I've been doing that in 2017. It's changed my morning, seriously. Now I get coffee and a little Chris Tomlin and a little Jesus culture. Ah, it's good living. Five minutes of worship, five minutes of just giving thanks. Like Barry said so ridiculously well last weekend, declaring God's greatness, focusing on him first. And then thirdly, uh, letting God's word speak to me. And I like to write down my thoughts because it helps me remember that I'm actually a thinking person. So begin each day with prayer. Secondly, listen. You just listen to what's going on around you. You listen. I invited a friend recently to services, and he said, he changed the subject. He said, you know, my mom's really ill. I'm looking for a caretaker. And here I thought, oh, the solution is come, come to church. That'll make your mom well. That, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of messaging I was giving. And I thought, you know what? He needs help with his mom. And the Spirit just said to me, help his mom. <laughs> so with the help of one of our staff members, we got help, caretaker help for his mom. You got to listen to what, what people are saying. Listening's how healing takes place. When you, listening is the, is, the, is the air people breathe. When they feel listened to, boom. Yeah, you're getting to let Jesus really bless others through you. 
Begin each day with prayer and be a listener to what's going on around, around you. And you'll be amazed at how people will do, uh, they'll open up their hearts in such a dramatic way and you get a chance to just listen and be empathetic and just repeat what they're saying and not, not be thinking about the narrative you want to share. <laughs> it took me about up until today to learn that. Uh, begin each day with prayer. Listen, it's the language that people breathe. Ask them, ask them follow-up questions. Thirdly, eat. <laughs> eat. You got to eat. You got to eat good food. How many of you have just now heard the best sermon you've ever heard? <laughs> eat. I'm in it. Eat. Here's the deal. When do we have time to bless people? We're all super busy, right? Super busy. Do you eat? Does everybody here eat? Do we have anyone that just doesn't eat at all? <laughs> Maybe today, but you're going to eat this week, right? Does most, do most all of us eat lunch? Most. Some don't. Some don't. I realize you skip it sometimes. Not all of us eat breakfast. I know that. But most all of us eat lunch or dinner, right? What about once a week making it a point to take someone out to lunch or go out to lunch with someone or go out to dinner with someone that's far from God and just being with them, just being with them. And just, just, they're people perhaps you're praying for. They're people you work with. And just listening to them and eating with them. When you make that kind of investment, you're giving the Spirit an opportunity to really, really love. Uh, one of our elders is going to share sometime this summer how he learned uh, to change his whole career by having a weekly lunch with somebody. It's valuable. So third is eat. Fourth is serve. When you listen to someone and you eat with them, you learn how you can love them, and you love them by serving them in any way that they need help. You serve them the way they want to be served. And while you build that relationship and wait on God, guess what happens? You get an opportunity to make a bold move and share your Jesus story. Sometimes we don't know what to say. We don't, all the, we don't know how to stand up to modern-day uh, skepticism, agnosticism, atheism against Christianity. But do you know what is the most powerful testimony, the most powerful statement you can make? It's your story. No one will argue with your story in our culture. Your story has great authority. You get a chance to share it. You get a chance to share it. This weekend, I can't help but tell you that one of our adventurers who's here in the service right now is baptized for the first time Saturday. And he's someone many of you have known for a long time. It was a very special event for him. He's in here. Michael, would you raise your hand? Where are you? Raise your hand, man. Can you? Can you help him, Diana, so everyone can see? David. Sorry, David. I, it's, it's a, there he is. He was baptized on Saturday. Proud of him. Proud of him. It's a changed, a exciting, changed life. Thank you, David. That's what we want to see happen in all of our adventure a blessing in this community. We want to bless people. But one of the real fears of blessing is, is we're afraid. Have you ever seen the information on this uh, impala, this African impala? This is a, a deer type that can evidently jump 30 feet in length. It's got a 30-foot jump, and it can jump 30 feet high. So it can actually, I should say, it can glide 30 feet in length, and it can jump over a 10-foot wall quite easily. But here's the interesting thing about it. If it has a three-foot wall in front of it, it won't jump over it if it can't see what's on the other side. 
if it can't see where its feet are going to land, it won't jump. It's fearful. We can all be the same way, can we not? When it comes to going on the adventure God's called us to and being a blessing, we can allow fear to really tighten us up. So that's where you got to depend on the Spirit. You join God in His adventure where you sense He's leading you, and you just go forward gently and humbly by faith. Join God in God's adventure. And when you do that, wherever you go, you'll be a blessing. Wherever you go, you'll be a blessing. Secondly, follow God's ways in your marriage and family life. Follow God's ways in your marriage and family life. I said earlier that Abraham is the model for the first covenant example of living by the Spirit. And that's because he failed a lot in his marriage. Now, some of you are here and saying, did Scott write this sermon for me today? We're talking about marriage. Are you serious? Uh, Hey, let me just tell you, I've been working on this for a couple weeks, so no, not just for you, but maybe the Spirit wanted you to hear it today. So here's what happens in, in Abraham's marriage and family life. Now, there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt. Okay, let's just pause there. God leads you someplace like he did Abraham, and he leads you to a place where they're having a famine. What kind of God would do that? We're leading you to the promised land, and we're going to begin with a famine. Is that God? (laughs) It is. But Abraham behaves or reacts. He doesn't pause. He doesn't practice what I would call a leadership pause for his family and say, you know what? I know this is uncomfortable, but maybe there's a better choice. Instead, he went down to Egypt to live there for a while. So when God's asking you to go up, don't go down. Our default nature, our flesh nature, which is against this Abrahamic spirit-living nature, is tempted to always go down when things are tough to go to the place of comfort, the place of ease. Abraham, God didn't tell Abraham to go down to Egypt. <laughs> Egypt's never been that good for anybody. Okay? Uh, it still isn't for our Coptic Christian friends at St. Mark's Cathedral. Uh, but, but Abraham, Abraham took the matters into his own hands, and he went down to Egypt. And this is what happened in his marriage and family life. He was afraid. He had a great-looking wife. She was in her 60s, but she was a hottie. And uh, it was severe. He was about to enter Egypt. He said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Oh, there's the setup line. I know what a beautiful woman you are. And he says, hey, when I go down there, please tell them that you're my sister. Next slide, please. Please tell them that you're my... And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He He treated Abraham well for her. For her sake, and Abraham acquired sheep. Now let's back up. Let's go back one slide. Uh, he was, she was taken into his palace. That sounds nice. That's not good. Pharaoh didn't take women in his palace just to provide them comfort. Okay, she was becoming a part of his harem. This is not good for the future of Abraham and his family. And so he treated Abraham well. So his kind of pragmatic plan was working, but it gets worse here uh, for, for Abraham's sake. And he, the, uh, Abraham was given lots of goods because of Sarah. Abraham acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. Life's good in the home, right? Hey, honey, I'm sorry we're not getting to stay together, but look at our investments. This, we're making money. 
This is fantastic. Oh, aren't you loving this? No, I'm not. Do you know what's happening? Hey, come on. It's, it's, surely it's not going to happen. We're making money. Life is good for us right now. Quit complaining. Oh, boy. They are in for a long journey home. But the Lord inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? It's almost like he's this pagan that's saying, Abraham, you should have known better. You lied to me. Interesting, in Egyptian culture, lying is, uh, telling the truth was very important. Abraham was lying. And so here you have this pagan, this, this, this ruler who presumes himself to be God, telling Abraham, Abraham, you're lying. You should have respected your God more. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why, didn't you say she, why did you say she's my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now, interestingly, according to scholarly tradition, Sarah was his stepsister. It's, it's considered that Terran, his dad, adopted her, and so they were able to marry. Uh, so half-truth, yeah, it didn't work. Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. Oh, and boy, are they going to have a long journey home. Yeah. Don't go down when God's called you to go up. He went down to Egypt. It's throughout, throughout Jewish history, Egypt is a metaphor for, for slavery, bondage, loss. All right, your spouse, your spouse. Who is your spouse to you? Let me just tell you. Your spouse is, is more than just the mother or the father of your children. Okay. Your, your, uh, your, your spouse is more than a great business or ministry partner. There's risks in just getting into a relationship because, wow, we work well together or we're making money together. Your spouse is, is more than just a financial partner. <laughs> we got a partnership going here. We're, we're, we're looking good. Your spouse is more than, is more than just a friend. And uh, my prayer for you, if you're single and you hope to get married, that you'll consider this, this kind of person for your spouse. Your spouse, she is the one you fight for, whose beauty you unveil, and whom you take on an adventure of a lifetime. That's who your spouse is to you. And ladies, uh, your, your spouse, your husband, he's the one you assure knows he has what it takes. You give him respect. If you don't give him respect, he'll go to where he gets respect. That's how we men are wired. You give him respect and serve with him. And what we know about being a blessing is that our marriages in of themselves are blessings. Our family life in of itself is a blessing. Listen to what Paul said to the church. He said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. What Paul's saying here is that marriage is just a reflection of Christ and the church. Here's my point. When people see an exciting marriage, they see the church. They see Christ. It's a powerful thing. I went and visited uh, Melissa on her first day of summer school class, and I went in, and all the students were there, and uh, usually we give each other a peck when we see each other. And I said, should we give them a peck in front of all these kids? Are you serious? And we thought, yeah, they need to see a marriage. So I gave her a little peck, a real short one on the cheek. And 
Melissa said, that's what you get in 29 years of marriage. And they're like, 29? Is that possible? Here's the point. Your marriages are a blessing for others to see. Last weekend, Melissa wanted to go on a walk, so we just walked around our neighborhood. And I was shocked how people, I'm not kidding, would come out to talk to her uh, and they just wanted to engage with her and talk and talk and talk. And I thought, this is so cool. Why? Well, I think they're drawn to people who love each other. And so know that your marriage in of itself is an incredible, incredible witness. Uh, so keep that in mind. Wherever you go, you'll be a blessing. Wherever you go, you'll be a blessing. Last challenge, last challenge of Abraham came from his nephew, Lot. Remember, Lot came with him when they left Ur. Lot's a young kid that was actually really learning from his uncle Abraham, and they had a great conflict because they had too much. They had too much of a good thing, really, was their conflict. Let's read the narrative. Now, Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them. While they stayed together, and quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. What caused family strife here? Too much of a good thing. Too much. Everything that they wanted, they got. And it created conflict. They were more focused on the stuff that they had than the source of the stuff that they had. They were focused on the stuff instead of the source. What they thought would bless them the most starts to hurt them the most. How do you handle stuff like that? This happens. I've seen this happen in families. You got so much, you, you just it, it just overwhelms you. It, I think this is a real challenge for, um, for Americans, big time. How many of you are like, I'd like to be challenged with that? <laughs> it's a temptation too. What does Abraham do? He takes the high ground. He takes the high ground. Listen to what he says to Lot. So Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me because your herders and mine, we're close. We're family. I love that line. We're close. Why, why do, we're not, let's not fight over this. We're close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Hey, there's a leader. There's the language of someone who gets it. See, Abraham knew, uh, I've got the blessing. I've been given the whole land. Lot, you go wherever you want. The blessing, it goes with me. It doesn't go with the land. The blessing's with me. See, wherever I go, it's blessed. So take whatever you want. How many, how many estate executives, how many supervisors, how many leaders would do well to say, hey, you know what? Let's not quarrel over this. I love this Abraham Lincoln quote. He was, he was incredibly good at not quarreling. He'd let people just maul on him. He's, and this is why. He said, quarrel not at all. No man resolved to make the most of, his, of himself can spare the time for a personal contention. Isn't that great? He didn't waste time with it. I, I listened to his book a couple times on leadership. Just didn't waste time with quarreling. Okay, how do you do this? How do you take the high ground? There's three keys. Number one, don't fight for what you can't lose. Abraham was never going to lose the blessing. So he could say to Lot, take the land wherever you want. Secondly, Abraham didn't follow favor. Favor followed Abraham. Let me say the same about you. You don't follow favor. Favor follows you. Seriously, if you don't get anything else today, get that. If you're a Christian, the spirit of Jesus Christ is in you. The same 
and that favor goes with you. That's yours. Wherever you go, favor goes with you. Okay? Secondly, Abraham didn't follow favor. Favor followed Abraham. Thirdly, it's spiritual. This conflict they were having was not just a matter of land. It was spiritual. Lot was really being tempted by the lust of his eyes, the, the pride of life. And the scripture teaches that we do not fight just against flesh and blood, but our weapons are spiritual for the demolishing of fortresses and, and, uh, and anything raised up against the knowledge of God. Revelation beats reaction. This is kind of back to that leadership pause that's so important in our lives. Abraham was willing to wait for revelation, where the Spirit was leading him, where the promise was leading him. Lot wasn't willing to wait. And so Lot reasons, he reacts. Check this out. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered, like the Garden of Eden. Like the land of Egypt, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was looking at that which was going to end, that was going to perish. It got him in a lot of trouble. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. That decision alone resulted in the loss of his wife and the total indignity of his daughters and some extended family members all because he made a decision based on what looked like what was going to provide him the most comfort, the most pleasure. You know what that area was? It was the red light district. He chose the red light district for his family because it just looked good. Be careful about following your flesh. Follow the Spirit. That's what Abraham did his whole life. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. This included the land Lot just started occupying. All the land that you see, I will give you and your offspring forever. And here we are, over 5,000 years removed from this promise. Who still lives in Israel? The descendants of Abraham. So how do we ensure that we are enjoying the favor of God so that wherever we go, we bring the blessing of God? Three ways today. Really present in Abraham's life. The first is join God in the adventure of going. Be open to where the Spirit wants to send you all the time. And that's a hard thing for me to say sometimes because I don't want to go to India. But I, it, just be open to where God wants to send you, always. Secondly, follow God's ways in your marriage and family life. When he says uh, to go up and to follow him, don't go down out of desperation. That's following your flesh. Follow the Spirit. And lastly, when it comes to conflict, take the high ground. <laughs> let, let, don't mess with quarreling. Stay away from it. Jesus said, turn your, turn your other cheek. Lose. That's how you really win. Mm. Yep. What do you guys think? Where are you at? Where are you at Personally. You feel like you're part of an adventure? How many of you would get excited about really applying this BLESS acronym, beginning every day with listening to what God's doing around you, eating with people, loving people by serving them, and sharing your story? How many of you are challenged by that, making that a part of your life, being with nonbelievers and sharing the gospel? That's what it means to go. We're all called to go. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's how you do it right here. 
How many of you are challenged in marriage and family life to really follow God's ways when sometimes it's super, super hard? Anybody? Yeah. Lastly, how many of you, this idea of taking the high ground and not quarreling is, man, it sounds very expensive. Anybody? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, just remember, the favor goes with you. You got the favor. Isn't that cool? It's with you. All right, let's see how the Spirit's leading us today. Heavenly Father, thank you for this story of uh, a follower of your spirit. Help us kind of get it that he, man, he was willing. He was willing to follow your spirit on a great adventure wherever you wanted him to go. He was willing to follow your ways in his marriage and family life. Even when he failed, he, he really got back. And finally, he was willing to take the high ground in conflict. Help us do the same. Help us take the high ground. Some of you are here and you've never made a decision to enjoy this life with Jesus. You've never said yes to Jesus, maybe never been baptized into him. Maybe you're ready. And if that's you today, you want to begin this journey of faith, I just would ask you from where you're seated to to pray with me and say, God, please, please be the leader of my life. I accept what your son Jesus did for me on the cross. I believe he raised from the dead. I want to follow him. And if that's you today, I just want to ask you to do something bold. Just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me today. I want to begin this journey. I want to give this a try. I want to try Jesus. Anybody for the first time say, yeah, I want to do that. Jesus' name, amen.